The ongoing drama that is Savannah City Council reached a new low recently with Alderwoman Keisha Gibson-Carter and Alderman Curtis Pertee trading slurs outside of council chambers. City Talk's Bill Doors joins today's Commute Podcast to discuss the turmoil. Bill also weighs in on Hurricane Ian and its threat to Savannah. Good day, Savannah, from all of us here at savannahnow.com. This is the Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. I am your host, Adam Van Bremer, opinion columnist and a deputy editor at the Savannah Morning News. On today's episode, City Talk columnist Bill Doors gives one of his periodic check-ins. That discussion comes up right after I tell you about National Office Systems. We're on the cusp of a move here at the Savannah Morning News, and we know who to call for help in terms of design and outfitting our new space. That's right, Scott Center and his team over at National Office Systems. They've been helping Savannah businesses with their office needs since the 1980s. National Office Systems offers more than 200 product lines, including a new collaboration from two of the office furniture industry's leaders, Herman Miller and Knoll, also known as Miller Knoll. If your office space needs a refresh, National Office Systems can help. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. That's www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's the interview with Bill Doors. Everybody's favorite guest, Bill Doors, is back with us today. And when I learned of the city council spat that involved uh, some, some pretty vulgar language and some pretty depending on how you take the context, either sexist or racist or both, uh, and, in, and in quite possibly some homophobic language as well, that went down with Keisha Gibson-Carter and Curtis Pertee, two of our aldermen. I just knew I had to have Bill on to talk about it. Uh, of course, uh, that story published last week as well, along with the body camera footage from, from the altercation. And Bill, these two have history. Uh, I think it's safe to say Keisha Gibson Carter has history with just about everybody on this council, but but and Curtis Pertee and Van Johnson probably most of all. When you see this kind of behavior, I guess is the the kindest way to put it. What's it tell you? What what should we be concerned? Should we not be concerned? What's what's your takeaway? Well, I th- you know I think yeah you know, we have to be concerned, um, but. This has been going on for a while. Um, name calling, accusations, um, what I would consider, you know, often pretty childish, but childish in a way that that has to be taken seriously when, you know, some of the when they play into these tropes, these prejudices that you just mentioned a moment ago. Um, you know, I mean, I think we have to be concerned, um, but I I think the reality is, you know, with a year left of this council we are going to continue to see things like this for the next year. Um, And absent some sort of major change of heart among the, among the players and absent somebody stepping forward and saying, you know, look, I'm going to, I'm going to change the way I communicate with my colleagues on council. um, And I don't care whether they change, but I'm going to change how I communicate. If 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 one or both of them would step forward and say that, maybe maybe we we'd get somewhere. But, you know, obviously it's disappointing. And, you know, for an altercation like that to happen in the, you know, in City Hall, um, it's 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 just disappointing. 
And again, you know, let's go back three years. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of common ground among the incoming, right. you know, council members. Uh, there seemed to be a lot of shared policy initiatives. It's been a rocky few years, um, compounded by COVID, but a, a rocky few years. Yeah, I go back to see the first or second meeting. And uh, I believe Keisha Gibson Carter, maybe she wasn't leading of it. She was part of a push to to reboot the city manager search when we'd already had uh, an outside group kind of narrow down some candidates. And that group was short one vote. And I remember Curtis Pertee came and joined that group for that one vote. And to see how they've they've how it spiraled over time. It is a little disappointing. And obviously we, we have history of, of Curtis Pertee being very dismissive of Keisha Gibson Carter during meetings, uh, telling her to shut up. Uh, uh, there's a lot of subtle things that go on toward her during meetings. And let's face it, the only person on council who, from a political standpoint, really benefits from this kind of behavior is probably Keisha Gibson Carter. She, is, she has announced for mayor. Um, she is the outsider. She labels herself that way. She acts that way. So when she gets attacked like this, I think it does nothing but, but help her cause. Am I, am I maybe too narrow-minded or naive in that, in that view? Yeah, I think, I think in some respects, it pol- politically, it probably helps. I think in other respects, though, um, I, you know, I think there's probably a, a, a large number of people who are either wholly or partially dissatisfied with Van Johnson as mayor, who are looking, you know, at least either looking actively for a viable alternative or looking for someone that they can kind of possibly support and want to get to know better. Um, And, you know, altercations like this one a couple of weeks ago and just the ongoing tensions. um, I think there are a lot of people who just don't want that kind of energy to be part of their governance. Um, and so while it might help her in some respects, I, I, I suspect that that's largely, that help is largely canceled out by just kind of this continued alienation of possible supporters, uh, people who might agree with her more often on policy issues. Um, and I've, I've brought this up a couple of times in my columns. Um, you know, in, in some respects, I, I mean, I think she's been, uh, pushing smarter policies and pushing for faster action on some smarter policies um, than than the council majority, but it, it it makes it difficult to for I think the average voter to kind of want to rally behind her when there are these types of of, of altercations. Um, I I don't know what Curtis Pertee's plans are. You know, I, I again though, I mean, I, I I would like to hear one of them just say. You know, I, I'm not even going to speak to what was said to me. I apologize. I'm sorry if I alienated any, but whatever, however they want to phrase it, just apologize. And then just say, I will, I will respond differently the next time there's a situation like this. And maybe that, that way is just, and just not to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're it, certainly looking for bigger, for folks to be bigger people on council, whether it's right. Curtis Pertee now, I know Nick Palumbo, I know, Van Johnson, I know Linda Wilder Bryan, all of them have have in one way, shape, or form had tiffs with Keisha Gibson Carter. And you wait, you're waiting for 
some or all of them to take the higher road. And every time you think maybe it's coming, they, they find the, they find the tunnel instead. Right. Well, and, you know, as I, as I said in a column, you know, some time ago, you know, what was up with that? Someone breathing heavily into the microphone when he's crinkling, hit. crinkling wrappers. I yes. mean, what, what's going on? Right. I mean, come on. Um, and, and, you know, in the column that I, I, the issue I was writing about there was a particular liquor license. And I, I mean, and I, I, I thought that uh, Keisha Gibson Carter was right on policy in that, that one. And she's saying reasonable things and, and, to, and to, you know, make it to put a really fine point on it. So you have a liquor license hearing, you have a, a young woman, African-American woman, um, entrepreneur wanting to start a business. She's brought two attorneys with her, African-American attorneys, um, too. Um, and Keisha Gibson Carter is speaking in favor of the liquor license application, and someone's breathing heavily into the mi- microphone and disrupting the meeting. I mean, wow. <laughs> the, uh, now, hopefully that has stopped. Um, I mean, hopefully we're not going to get that anymore. And I have no idea who, who, who was doing that. And as far as I can tell, it's very difficult. I mean, I, I haven't heard anyone say who they think is doing it. But I mean, this this is just not acceptable. And again, I've I haven't heard anybody, you know, kind of. I, I haven't heard anyone in the council majority say, "Yeah, that's that's we can't do that," right? Um, so, I mean, I I don't, I don't know what to say to voters. I don't know what to say to the public about all this. I mean, you know, I, we've got a year. We've got another year of this council. We've got another election to go before we get to that election. Um, indeed, <laughs> indeed, <laughs> and, it, and it makes you wonder. To your point earlier, is are some citizens in the community seeing this and thinking to myself, "Good Lord, we need to get the whole lot of them out, and I need to run." Are we basically kind of similar to what we had three years ago, where we had just a big movement to uh, newcomers and, or if not newcomers, at least newly elected folks that that came in with a wave election. And should we expect another wave election in 2023? I, I know a couple of people that have talked about running, but I'm not going to be surprised if we see a complete overhaul again in, in November of 2023 on city council. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a complete overhaul. I also wouldn't be surprised if pretty much everyone who's on council now runs again. Um, I mean, the Gibson Carter has already declared her candidacy for mayor, so that'll you know, that that seat, presumably her seat will presumably turn over, um, you know, most Savannians, the vast, vast, vast majority of voters probably aren't watching those city council meetings um, and not keeping up with the inside baseball of how much these people dislike each other and these animosities. Um, and it, it, I think it's very difficult to say. I can see it going either way. Um, it'll be interesting to see next spring, I guess. Um who starts stepping forward um, to run for these various seats and what kind of what kind of pitch they can make. Pardon this brief interruption, but it's time for another read. This time to encourage you to sign up for the Georgia Southern Extra newsletter. The Eagles are off to a three and one start under new coach Clay Helton and open Sunbelt Conference play this Saturday against Coastal Carolina. Every week, sports writer Nathan Dominitz breaks down the successes and the challenges facing Georgia Southern, and you get it all delivered right to your email inbox. Go to savannahnow.com newsletters and sign up. Once again, that's savannahnow.com newsletters. 
And you don't have to subscribe to the Savannah Morning News or savannahnow.com to get the newsletter. So there are no excuses. Although you'll get that newsletter, you'll enjoy it so much, you'll want to subscribe. Savannahnow.com digital subscription. Very low price. Gets you a lot of information about the Eagles and everything else. With that, now back to the discussion with City Talks Build Doors. So we'll turn from one storm to another, and that is Tropical Storm. I think actually, as we speak, I think it's Hurricane Ian now is uh, approaching Cuba. And if you are looking at some of our television stations and some of our television station websites, you're, you're thinking that Armageddon is bearing down on us, which I guess is kind of natural for that side of the media world. We're taking a little bit more moderate view here. The storm is in the Gulf. Uh, it will have to come completely across parts of two states before it gets to us. But as you look at it, we're probably four days out from, from this becoming a reality. What are your thoughts on this storm and, and what should folks be thinking about or not thinking about? Well, I mean, obviously everybody should be thinking about listening to your emergency preparedness people, um, look at your, you know, your lists of things that you're supposed to have, water, what are you going to do if the electricity goes out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, though, you know, the, the odds of, of extreme impacts in Savannah seem pretty, pretty low right now. Um, it would have a lot of land across before it, it would get here. So, I mean, I think really more of this might be sort of the gut check for the rest of the season, rest right? The season. What do I need to do to be prepared for, you know, for the next month and a half um, uh, or whatever, whatever the official ending date is. Um, you know, I, I, I also, um, you know, I typically, for my information about upcoming storms, I rely almost completely on the National Hurricane Center website. And they have been stressing, you know, here we are Thursday afternoon, you know, it's, it's just now hitting kind of we're about to hit Cuba, I believe. Um, and they have been stressing repeatedly for the last couple of days that there's a great deal of uncertainty in the in the various mo- computer models that they're looking at. Um, I mean, it could it could swing way over toward the panhandle or it could cross over into central Florida. Yeah. Um, and, Tampa area, right? Yeah. You know, and and so what but what's gonna happen is that it's you know, if it doesn't come right at us then everybody's going to be saying they had no idea. You know, they were wrong again with the forecast. Right. Right. When in fact, the forecast is like <laughs> for it to hit somewhere in this huge geographic area. Um, I mean, the NHC has, has done some really great forecasting in recent years, I think. And, you know, I, I, I'm just sure people are going to dismiss it, um, you know, as wrong again. Um, when in fact, they've been emphasizing the amount of uncertainty in the track. Um, so just fingers crossed that obviously we don't have any significant problems the next few days, but then, you know, that, that we don't have it, that this is it, right. (laughs) You know, that, that we don't have a kind of an October surprise. Right. Right. Yeah. That was, it's a, it's a good reminder to me of, of, it really speaks to how many people are new to our area. Right. Cause I've been hearing all weekend, I was at several events and jazz festival and some other things. And a lot of people, coming up and talking to me about it. And it's because you and I have been through several of these. I think anybody that lived here uh, four or five years ago, where we had what three and three evacuations in four years have gotten a little bit used to this kind of thing, but it really speaks to how our area is growing when so many people are asking questions that you're like, what? 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know, and I feel for them because I, I mean, I think it's also, you know, I, I think storms like this are actually quite difficult for for media to cover well, um, and I think there are a lot of people who, you know, it's very easy to get caught up in the hype rather than in kind of the logic of all right, well, what are the steps I need to take to to minimize risks and problems for me and the people I know and my neighbors and my pets. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, there's a lot of noise, mm-hmm. right. Compared to the amount of signal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So briefly, I, I mentioned some events over the weekend and I know you probably partook in some of them as well. Jazz festival at Forsyth. It was, it was great to have it back after, uh, uh some COVID interruptions. Um, did you get out and see much? Or what, what um, yeah, I, I, I got out, uh, I spent, uh, most of Saturday evening there. And uh, yeah, exactly. It was awesome to be back out in the park for the Savannah Jazz Festival. It's just such a great community event. Um, It's such a great space for it, though. I see uh, uh, a really provocative column by one by entertainment arts and entertainment editor, Zach Dennis, about, you know, let's shift more of the more of the emphasis to Daffin. Um, I suggest everybody read it. Um, there's a lot of very interesting things in it. Um, but yeah, just, it's great that we're, we're finally at a point where most of us feel like we can safely do things like this again, both from the, you know, the production level to the attendance level. Right. right? Um, and, um, it, it was especially nice to see a nonprofit like Savannah jazz be able to, you know, to, to rebound. So it sets, yeah. it sets the stage for another big one in the park here in two weeks, right? And picnic Absolutely. In the park. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to the symphony. So I wanted to wrap up the conversation today with uh, another topic that we mentioned. We do have an election coming up this November and something that's going to get a lot of attention locally uh, is the whole idea that we have another penny sales tax or 1% sales tax, depending on how you want to classify it. That's going to be on that ballot for a transportation splost. Uh, T-splossed and the project list is out and I know Bill has scrutinized it as have I and we're probably going to talk about it again before November the 8th but as, as you sit back and and look at that list and look at the projects on that list how do you regardless of how you feel about a, another sales tax how do you feel about what's on the list I guess first of all well, you know, and I, it seems pretty clear that looking at the list that that the priorities are um, expand roads in the entire West Chatham area, right? I mean, that that's kind of the priority. It seems to be sort of across the board. This is what we're going to do. Um, I think there are all sorts of other worthy projects that are either really not represented, not sort of maybe represented, but not specified within a pool of money um, or that that needed more emphasis. Um, you know, I, I'm deeply concerned about the, the lack of commitment countywide to transit. Um, I am concerned about kind of the what what I would consider relatively low sums going toward other types of alternative transportation and traffic calming, Um, you know, and I I don't know, you know, what the politics are of these groups getting together to create these lists. And, you know, there might be people from the last T-SPOS experience saying, oh, well, we can't include something like 
you know, taking down the I-16 flyover because that'll alienate, blah, 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 blah. Um, a lot of supporters in Savannah who, would, who, who wanted that project, though. Um, there are a lot of supporters who would like to see more for trail networks, who would like to see more and, and some specifics behind some of the funding for traffic calming. Um, I, 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 I don't I, it's not a list that 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 I'm, I'm going to support. Um, and more importantly, though, well, not more importantly, but importantly, I feel like no one has really made the case for why why they can't do some of the things that I just said. Right. Um, like, why? Why isn't there more for this? Why isn't this part of it? Why this particular road? Um, you know, all that money, for example, for, for New Hampstead. Well, what's the plan? What's the plan look like? What uh, These things are very difficult to find. You know, yes, I'm a journalist. I can ask for them. I can get the plans. Uh, but this should be easily accessible. All this should just be easily accessible to members of the public so that they can look at that TSPLOS list, click on a link on a, on a government website and see what the plan is. What is the plan for all these roads? And what's the larger vision for these corridors? Because if, if all we're doing is just increasing capacity on some roads to deal with current demand, um, then we're going to induce more demand. This is a real thing. We'll create more demand. And then in another 5, 10, 15, or 20 years, we'll be right back to the same level of congestion. Yeah, go uh, drive in Atlanta for, for proof. Exactly, right? I mean, this is this is... We know that this happens. Um, and, you know, there seems to be this idea that for some reason, you know, maybe it's Savannah exceptionalism. And I've, this has happened in a lot of other cities, too, though. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's concern. The list concerns me and the lack of sort of explanation of why these things on this list. Yeah. Um, like Bill, always good to catch up. And uh, uh, good luck with the storm batting down. Thanks, you too. Or um, just don't because I don't. I better not make any more predictions and say the storm is coming here because I don't want to jinx that. Well, we, yeah. I mean, there's just so much uncertainty. I mean, it it looks like. I mean, we should certainly expect the worst. That's it, right? That's I it. mean, but hope but for the best, prepare for the worst. There is so much uncertainty right now. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Bill. All right. Thanks, Adam. That's all for this edition of the Commute Podcast. Thanks one last time to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Before I sign off, remember that we publish new Commute episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Whatever your interests, you will find interviews of interest in our archives. Search The Commute with that Savannah opinion on your favorite podcast app. The Commute returns on Thursday. We will talk to you then. (laughs) 